Hi everyone, and I want to cover today a theme that's running all the way through the book of Genesis, right? We just finished that book right now, the Sefer Bereshis, the book of Genesis. We've been learning it together for weeks uh, as a Jewish people. We had the rhythm of learning a section every week. And I want to tell you there's something that's running from the root of creation itself, from the six days of creation, all the way till the deathbed of Yaakov Avinu of Jacob in Egypt. And it's the theme of jealousy. Jealousy is a part of our everyday experience. It's not just an esoteric idea sitting up there. It's something we experience all the time. Every human on some level is likely to have some challenge with it unless they've really worked on themselves. So for example, it can happen. We look down, somebody else got a better house than us, a better car, the family we dream of, the job that we dream of. And it can even be in purer work like charity. You know, I've, I've dedicated my life to this charity or teaching Torah in, in a yeshiva somewhere. But down the road is one that seems to be more popular, more beloved by the people, having a greater impact. And our brain feels pained by these things, right? And, and even though we're doing good and they're doing good, our brain's like, no, but they, we should be the one that's more popular. Cause, and then we justify, because we do a better job, because we really are more sincere about it. We've got more talent or more ability or whatever it is, right? So, um, so you know, that's how the brain rationalizes. But the incredible thing about the challenge of jealousy is that it is built into the fabric of creation itself. Already on the first day, there's a division of light and dark. On the second day, the world is broken into two. And the Midrashic texts bring that this already went strife and hatred. The roots of it start to enter into the world. And the division, basically, I see it from my perspective, you from yours. And by the fourth day of creation, you have these great luminaries, which are reflected in our world and experience. And we see the sun and the moon, the force that gives out light, the force that reflects that light. And at the fabric core of creation, these forces fought. The, the reflective force that we call the moon says, I want to be as big and, and powerful as you. We can't both be equal. It can't, no, sorry, not why I want to be as big and powerful as you. I, I want to be more powerful. It can't be two of us. One of us has to be on top. And that's the, you know, we can't both be partners. We can't have both organizations, both yeshivas. I want to be the dominant one. It's an amazing, amazing real story of how families can fall apart over monetary issues and people can fall apart over. It, it's so tragic. And God says, okay, fine, you're right. We're going to have you diminished throughout most of history. The force that gives out light is not equal to the force that reflects light. And for those who are sensitive, you'll understand what the real implication is. It means we, humanity, is meant to be the force that reflects the divine light. And we don't want to be partners with God. We want to dominate. We want God to serve us. We're jealous of God on some very deep subconscious level. That's how deep it goes. And when it comes to the sixth day of creation, Rashi, the prime commentary on the Torah, brings the Midrashim. God says to the upper worlds, there has to be balance and harmony, right? There's me creator, but there needs to be a creative force in this world. There needs to be balance. Otherwise, there'll be jealousy. So once again, it's all the way through. I'm not going to go through right now, but you can go through the Midrashic texts and the commentaries on the six days of creation. You'll see them there. We're not now giving a talk, a shir on the, on the first six days of creation. But you can look it up yourselves and see how much the issue of jealousy pervades the dynamics of creation and is built into the fabric of creation, which is why it's such a difficult struggle.
And then the sin of man, again, we're not talking too much about that now, but if you look at it, especially the way Maimonides describes it in the second chapter of the guide, it was jealousy of God, right? I want to be like God. I want to be God. The serpent says, you'll be like God if you eat from this tree. Knowing good and bad. You can see the world through your eyes. You can, Rashi brings, create your own universes, your own subjective bubbles in which my perception of reality becomes reality. My feelings about you defines you. If I feel that you make me feel good. You're good. You make me feel bad. You're evil. And my brain will follow with a million rationalizations and justifications. But I'm the center of reality. And with that comes the breakdown of humanity. Humanity cannot be one soul. It must be billions of broken pieces. You and I and everybody else is one, each of whom believes I'm the center of reality and I'm the center of reality. I feel the world the way it feels to me. You feel it the way it feels to you. And suddenly nations kill one another. Families break down. Marriages fall apart. It's so hard to hold the world together because I see it my way, you see it your way. And in all of that is the jealous root of I should be the center of the world. Why do you not acknowledge that? And the very first child after the sin that they have is literally called Cain. I've taken something from God. I've possessed and related to the, related to the word kinah, jealousy. Jealous of God. I want to be the center of the world. I want God to serve me. I want my agenda to be the one that dominates reality. And that child, of course, becomes killing murder because when i'm jealous then you're a threat to me if hevel his brother gets an offering more than he is accepted more than his he's jealous and that becomes the theme of the rest of the book of genesis the rest of the book of Boratius. it's always a younger child getting something that the older child doesn't have and the older child reacting with jealousy whether it's Noah's own children, whether it's Abraham, who's not the eldest of the brothers, Isaac, who gets what his older brother Ishmael doesn't get, Jacob, Yaakov, who gets what his older brother Esau doesn't get, Yosef, Joseph, who's the young brother, who the others, in every case they react with jealousy or react in the wrong way or produce something devastating or catastrophic. Joseph and the brothers kind of make it up. But along the way, it was horrific what happened. And the final chapters of the book of Genesis, the book of Boratius, is the first time we encounter two brothers where the younger gets something the older doesn't have and reacts without jealousy. And the Torah says, this is how we should bless like Ephraim and Manasseh, Jacob, Yaakov's grandchildren. Right? Yaakov's on his, on, he's unwell, he's old, he's in his last year of his life, last few months of his life. And he asks to bless his grandchildren. Joseph brings his two boys, to, or, or in some commentaries, they're the oldest boys. Later he has other children. But either way, they're the boys who are going to take possession of the land of Israel like the other tribes. And Jacob, Yaakov, switches his hands. He puts his right hand, which traditionally would bless the elder child, on the younger child, Ephraim. And his left hand, which would traditionally be the next one, goes to the, the older child, to Manasseh. And Yosef, Joseph thinks he's made a mistake and he switches them. And incredibly, we do not know why in the simple reading of the Torah, why Jacob does this. What is it about Ephraim? At this stage, we can't see anything until Jacob indicates, Yaakov indicates, I see something about the future. Manasseh will be great, Ephraim will be even greater. Why does he deserve it? With Abraham, we see he goes on a journey with God. With Isaac, we see. We, with, with Jacob, Jacob himself, with Yosef, Joseph, we always see why they're getting what they're getting. 
Here, it's some kind of prophecy about the future. Ephraim will become the central tribe of Israel. It will be there in the northern kingdom. It will be his descendant, his descendant, sorry, Joshua, who will bring the people into, into the land. But then in his territory, where the, the Mishkan Shiloh, where the first tabernacle, the first kind of portable temple, the first, before there was a base of before there was a permanent house of God, there was the Mishkan, the temporary residence of, of God, if you like, for hundreds of years was in Shiloh. Bang there in the mountain of Ephraim. And even later on, the priest, the Kainim, who came from there, even after it's destroyed, King David makes sure to bring one of them into Jerusalem to serve in his temple, as well as the one who has the, the natural uh, position. As he has two high priests. And later on, we always see the role of those, those Kainim, those priests who came from the lands of Ephraim. Right? Yirmiyot, Jeremiah the prophet, who will in fact call the entire Jewish people Ephraim. Habain Yakirli Ephraim, the precious child referring to the whole nation, Ephraim. But when Jacob makes that move and says, I'm going to give the younger son something, I'm not giving the older son, an extra blessing, an extra dimension. For the first time in the whole book of Bereshus, the whole book of Genesis, we see no negative reaction on the part of Manasseh. There's no jealousy. There's no, I want to sell him into slavery. I want to kill him. None of that. It seems that the jealousy has been overridden. And then Jacob, Yaakov can bring all the brothers together and give each of them a specific bracha, a specific blessing. Because of course, philosophically, what we need to understand, and this is something the, the Chovas Alvavas, the, the, the duty of the hearts, the great early medieval work of, of the inner work we've got to do has a whole section called the Shah Bittach the gate of trusting God. Is when a person trusts God, we let go of trying to have a vision for the world. This is the way the world should be. Here's how I want. I need this car, this position, this level of fame, this institution, this amount of public acclaim, and try to manipulate the world to give it to me, and even try to manipulate God himself, Hashem himself, to give it to me. Can let go of all that and say, one second, no, no, no. Hashem, you're the director of the planet Earth. You decide who's got what. You've got a role for me, and my success does not preclude or exclude somebody else's. My organization being successful, I don't need to look at the other guy and go, oh, they're more successful than me. It must be because they're good at fundraising and PR and lying to the public. And they're not, if people could only see the truth, they'd realize that I'm greater. There's, there's an incredible story of Aaron Leib Steinemann, who is one of the greatest rabbis of recent uh, years, who passed away a few years ago, was told about a, a really fantastic head of a Torah institution, a head of a yeshiva or a kolel or something. And how when he would walk past the Beis HaMadrash, the study hall at night and see people studying late at night, he'd have tears rolling down his cheeks. He loved the idea that people are studying God's word and the Torah and it's so beautiful. And if Aaron Leib wanted in his beautiful, inimitable, sweet way to give a subtle lesson to people of what real greatness is. He, it's very great. He says, but should I tell you what, even, it would be an even higher level Imagine he, the same rabbi, maybe he does, I'm not, you know, but imagine a rabbi walks past a head of a yeshiva, head of a, a beautiful Torah institution, walks past somebody else's yeshiva, somebody else's Torah center, and sees people up there late at night and cries. That's greatness, because that's not mine, I'm in control, and I feel that I've achieved something. That's, I really love the fact that people are studying and learning Torah, right? And that's, where does that come from? That comes from saying Hashem, I trust that you're the center of all reality. I trust that we as the humanity and we as a Jewish nation are one, right? And that's exactly what Yaakov, Jacob is in his deathbed. He is Israel, he's Israel. And we say, 
it literally, we see him passing out of the world, but it never says technically he died. And the rabbis say, no, he didn't die. And what does that mean? He physically dies. We, we read about his burial. We read more about his deathbed than burial than anybody else. But there's a deep level at which he's still alive because the nation he produces and becomes, he becomes the single body called Israel. He gets the name Israel, Israel, And it's a single body. It's one. And that single body lives and each one of us is like an organ in that body. The liver can't be jealous of the heart. Right? It needs the heart to be a heart and the heart needs the liver to be a liver and the liver needs the kidney to be a kidney and down to suborganelles and tissues. Each one needs the other to do its unique role. I need you hand to go and get the food because otherwise we're starving. I'm not jealous of the hand and the hand's not jealous of the parts of the brain that power this and the nerves and the, we're just not jealous of one another. We're one body. And we need to have different roles. You need to have the better car than I need to have to fulfill my role in the world. You get the test of wealth and this one gets the test of poverty. This one gets the test of great brains and all the challenges that come with that. This one gets the great test of having high emotional intelligence, low emotional intelligence, different areas of high function, low function, struggles in life. This one has to go through the experience of a lot of painful things happening to them. Each one is together like a military where each bit needs the other. Like a, and if we're real with that and we really, really trust Hashem, you've created this world. You've created us as one. Each one of us has a role. And I'm only asking this question, what do you want me to play? So Ephraim says, whoa, you're giving me a major role. I hope I can live up to that. Manasha says, you're giving me a, support, a different role, which feels like a supportive role. Well, I'm also going to play that because without that, the Jewish people can't function either, right? So you called me a kidney instead of a heart. Well, the, we need the kidneys working too, right? So I'm going to be the most amazing kidney I can be. And I'm going to make sure that heart has everything it needs. And I'm going to be the most amazing liver. And I make sure the blood supply is going to be what it needs to be. I'm going to make sure my role, I'm the infantryman. I'm the tank driver. I'm the artillery. I'm the person. I'm going to make sure I do my bit the best I can. Because without it, we can't be one right? Just like in an army or in a well-run organization or charity, we need everyone to do their bit properly. In a single body, we need everyone to do their bit properly. And then we're not jealous, right? That, that's, that's the amazing power. And then Jacob Yaakov can sit down with the family and say, okay, you're going to have this role. You're going to have this role. You need to work on this. You need to work on this. You could have had that role, but you can't now because he did this, but you can now do this. And everybody can sit there as one, and say to him, Shema Yisrael, that's the words we say later on, Moses, Moshe makes these words like canon, part of our daily. Shema Yisrael, listen Israel, Hashem is God, our God Hashem is one, God is one, and we are one. And that really is the book of Genesis, the book of Bereshis. That's when we're now planted in Egypt and ready to become a single nation, ready to endure the most horrific challenges that could happen to us, but we can do it if we've absorbed this message. So that's just something I wanted to share uh, together here um, with this as we celebrate the learning together and really finishing together the book of Genesis, the book of Boratius. May we take these messages because obviously Boratius Genesis is the beginning, but absorbing this amongst as many other, this theme that ran from the days of creation, rectifying this rectifies not only our personal struggles that we go through, and there's so much more to say about that, and our communal struggles, the national struggles, the international struggles, the struggles of humanity, it rectifies creation itself. It brings the light of the first day of creation to shine into the world. May Hashem help each of us merit to succeed in this, to getting past jealousy and to bringing that healing light into the world.